Hello, hello, and welcome to another Two Network Match Report with me, Adam. Unfortunately, it's finished at Goodison Park. It's finished Everton 1, Newcastle United 0 in what was a pretty turgid affair. Um, I, I felt that we didn't really get going. Um, we made a lot of poor decision-making, uh, particularly in the final third. Um, but it was one of those games that really could have gone either way. Um, I don't think either side really played to their potential and I just think that on another night that it could have been a nil-nil, it could have been a one-nil to Newcastle, I think it was pretty tight um, and a few decisions didn't go our way but ultimately we hadn't, we didn't pay to the, to the, <laughs> to, to the standard and, um, and with the gusto that we had done in the previous few fixtures so that was quite disappointing, um, but there's an argument to suggest that now that we've passed the the forty point mark zone, you know, is that does that mean that we 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 got complacent? Yes, yes, maybe that's maybe what happened here. But I think I think the lack of edge in the entire game was brought about by it being simply two sides with very little to play for except places in the top half. Um, you know, despite Newcastle's defeat tonight, it still puts us in a very strong position to finish uh, to finish top half. We we still uh, we're still three points ahead of Bournemouth in eleventh with a game in hand. Um, I feel like against West Brom and Watford, we can get something out of the game. Those games, um, Spurs. It's anyone's guess really if if they've got commitments elsewhere. Um, but beyond that, I think you know Chelsea, Chelsea at home is a very winnable game because it's you know Conte is gonna gonna be one one foul the door anyway, which he already is. So in in, in that respect, you know he's got he's be thinking of the the FA Cup final, and maybe maybe at home we can do them over, and we we, we usually do well uh, against against Chelsea. So that's we've still got points to be to be to be won. Um, we're still on, you know, we're four points behind Everton, but with a game in hand on them. So again, they're they're not miles away. Um, Leicester separating us, but yeah, a little bit disappointing that we could have probably churned out a draw tonight. Um, but I mean, the only change from tonight um, was Slomani coming in for for Dwight Gale, um, which I think most people would have called for after the last game. I think that. Slomani really against Arsenal. I think Slomani really proved that he that he to, to to everybody that he deserved a certain place. And of course, now that relegation is no longer a threat, realistically, then yes, this is the this is the kind of time that Rafa needs to be playing Slomani and from the shows what he's made of. But anyway, before I get into the before I get into the proper match report. Now it's been a disappointing. It's been a bit of a disappointing uh, night for Newcastle fans, but this weekend was obviously uh, quite significant. Um, and you know, losing losing by a goal at Goodison Park really reminds me of the time um, that Sunderland got beat by a goal, two one at home to Burton Albion. And got relegated to League One, which happened all of two days ago um, on Saturday. So, you know, every cloud, every cloud. So, so Sunderland are 
have secured a double relegation. So let's take a look and see what's being said and let's have a little bit of fun. So, um, great stat from um, Chris Holt, as ever, the Mr. Stat. Um, and he posted uh, at the weekend, the last five Sunderland managers have won a combined 11 home games between them over three seasons. That is absolutely damning, that stat. Um, I think it's under, under no illusion how bad the football's been there. And I've got many, many friends who are Sunderland supporters who have just... I mean, the, the sort of like the, the half arrogance of, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bounce back up like Newcastle did the first time of asking, started to wane about um, October, November, um, before Christmas. And I think everyone's just been in agreement of just how poor it is. I mean, you know, we're having a laugh, but they're in a very similar position owner-wise. They have an owner who does not do the best for the club, um, who has really run them into the ground, made very stupid decisions with contracts, Jack Rodwell for one, for example, and it's just, the attendances have dropped away, the atmospheres have been turgid, Chris Coleman has done, has had a difficult job, but has still done very, very little uh, to vindicate his decision to leave the, the, the Wales national job, getting them semi-finals of, of a European tournament, and now he's he's got them relegated to to the third tier. Um, Newcastle have never ever ever been in the third tier of English football in their entire history. So you know a lot of lot of Macken fans still still uh, peddling the six in a row. Fine, mate. You you crack on six in a row. Carry. Let's just have a look. So that's that. That was quite damning. Um, there was a Sunderland fan who uh, tweeted, who, who got quite a bit of attention. His name was Samuel J. Cotterill, and he he wrote to any football fan witnessing Sunderland's demise and laughing at it. <laughs> uh, you want a true football fan and a disgrace to football. We are a family club going down the drain because of a negligent yank who only cares about the size of his pockets. Now, the sentiment about. Ellis Short, absolutely, absolutely. But this this kind of uh, self-righteous, I don't laugh at anybody else, was quickly debunked when people started searching back through his timeline when Newcastle got relegated, laughing about um, uh, expecting Newcastle updates to come through on the Premier League page. <laughs> so, um, so, so Samuel... Um, I mean, he got a lot of comments. He's got over a thousand comments um, on that tweet, and largely just a lot of Newcastle fans reminding him of his old tweets. Um, he did a poll, um, a, a, a hilarious poll about Newcastle going down, with one of the answers being Rafa Benitez, which doesn't really make any sense to his little poll. But I mean, I'm sure he had a lovely time posting that. Um, and now he's playing the the the, the wounded lion, um, and saying that nobody should laugh at their, their demise. I'm laughing at someone's demise simply because I will be more than happy if we never have to play a Tyneway Derby again as long as I live because it's the, the Newcastle Sunderland games are very, very winnable games. Um, or they would be otherwise winnable games, but because it's Sunderland, because it's a local derby, because it's a rivalry, 
it suddenly adds, adds a stigma to what would have been you know an otherwise quite comfortable opponent to play against so and we and yes we have <laughs> we we've not had the best luck against them in recent seasons so i will happily never see another tangway derby in my life because it's just more hassle than it's worth i'd rather i'd rather play against somebody who has no connection to newcastle and we have a good crack at getting getting three points too much stigma for these games and you know the longer that we're two divisions apart two divisions apart um the better so yeah pleased with that and samuel um go fuck yourself <laughs> basically um <clears throat> sunderland only won 12 league games in the last two seasons that's that's spectacularly bad that is so bad and it's like that that squad wasn't that squad wasn't terrible and I think it's just like the it was the attitude, and I think Coleman just seemingly was the, the the wrong man to be able to take on that pressure of a kind of, of you know to bail out a sinking ship. I think it's um it's it's been an absolutely horrific couple of decisions um, managerial wise since Allardyce left. Moyes, I mean, was given very little money, but he was he was turgid, and so so has Coleman have been. Um, NUFC Threat Level tweeted, uh, Sunderland have 34 points so far this season. Last season, in the Championship, Newcastle United reached that in October. October. And yet here we are towards the end of April. I mean, that's why they're sitting bottom. So they're going to be playing, uh, famously they're going to be playing Accrington Stanley, can't even say it, next season. And a couple of comparisons here. So they're... Sunderland's average attendance, oh, sorry, the stadium capacity is 48,000, 48,500, Accrington's is five. Average attendance is about 26,500 for Sunderland, less than 2,000 for Accrington. Um, weekly wages, Rodwell's on 70 grand, the entire Accrington squad is on 15. Um, and record signing, Dong for 13.8 million, and um, a player called Craney. Who nobody's ever heard of um, because I don't really I don't really follow shit leagues. Um, One hundred and fourteen thousand was their record buy, so that's they're going to be playing next season. And well done, Accrington for for, for getting up, and that is just superb. That's brilliant. I, I will laugh at their demise. I think it's hilarious because um, of all the shit that Newcastle fans got two years ago, and even well into last year. Um, for being in the championship but more on that later we'll do some more we'll do some more Sunderland tweets later so anyway back to the game tonight at Everton as I said it was a very turgid affair I thought that um, it was the decision making that really really did us wrong here because there was you know the best effort that we had in the first half or the best chance that we created was when um, I mean Kennedy was all over the park tonight I think he was probably our best player I'd probably give man of the match to Kennedy tonight he was um, I mean he was at the heart of everything he was at the heart of a lot of the best sort of forward player that we did so to pick out a few um, a few stats you know he was. He, he did attempt a few crosses, but didn't. He only managed, I think, one of them. But he had a few take-ons. 
um, put the, or the, complete the most take-ons in the entire game. But it was this defensive work that I was really, really impressed with tonight, Kennedy. So he got 11 ball recoveries, second highest in the game. He won the most tackles in the game, um, level with Diarmi and Matt Ritchie and Theo Walcott as well. Um, joint highest number of interceptions alongside Morgan Schneidlin, the actual defensive midfielder. Um, and yeah, I just thought that was, I just thought that's really, really notable. He also blocked a cross as well. Um, and he was the joint most foul player on the park as well. So Kennedy was everywhere. And, and, and I think after Benitez failed to bring him off against Arsenal because he, he seemed determined to get a full 90 minutes out of him, he's, it's seemingly that he's conditioning himself to be a bit more um, active in that final 20 minutes of the game, which is good. Um, so he saw another, another 90 minutes. But yeah, I mean, I thought Slomani was 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 quite unlucky tonight. Um, he didn't he didn't make a huge impact, and he got brought off for for Dwight Gale in the second half. But it was obviously in the in the first half. So the aforementioned Kennedy charged down uh, Jordan Pickford doing the high press. His clearance sort of ricocheted off his leg, and fell to Jose Perez, and just to his left. I mean, he's in. Slomani's in acres of space, bearing down on goal. He's well on side, but the Everton defenders are nowhere near him, completely out of position because they were in possession, didn't expect to lose it. And all Perez needs to do is just feed a nice tidy little ball through in front of Slomani so he has time to control it, set himself, pick a corner, and try and slot it past Pickford, who will be rushing out of position and wouldn't have been able to have a chance to set himself properly. Instead, Perez just, oh, it was, I mean, it was just awful. He played it, he overcooked the pass, went straight to Pickford. Slomani's really, really good. And that was pretty much the only notable um, attack for, for Newcastle in the first half. Everton had a really good chance that, you know, from a corner came out, ball back in, and Jagielk is at the, at the back post who fails to get decent contact on it. It's probably similar to the Lacazette um chance in which he scored at St James's Park last weekend except it was Jagielka and it was on his wrong foot and on the opposite side so it's kind of it shows quite you know what a what a good skill uh, Lacazette managed to pull off just to, to get that, that that technique of that of that particular shot in um, but in the second half you know up to that point Newcastle had, had very uh, little possession but they, they were the only ones in the game who had a shot on target um, Everton had had about seven shots at half time, none on target. Newcastle had had a, a, a couple less, but they had they did manage to get one on target. So again, a bit more efficiency, I guess, in front of goal, but ultimately, just wasn't enough. And there was a moment in the in the in the in the, in the second half early on where Kennedy plays Jose Perez over the top. And if he's just got a bit of guile about him and a bit of vision, you can see that Slomani's like square with him. And if Perez just needs to sort of tuck it around the corner, Slomani's probably got a, a tap in there. Uh, obviously defenders are around, but he's got a pretty good chance in for it to go. But instead, Perez lashes at it, doesn't look up, doesn't pass it. I think he tries to strike it with his left foot, skews it wide. That's a really good chance. And that's I feel that was like two opportunities where Perez could have fed his mate Slomani in and Slomani might have had 
more of an impact on the game because of those two very, very big chances. But instead, he didn't. Slomani didn't, and Slomani sort of petered out without a, you know, just petered out with a whimper and 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 was ended up ultimately taken off. And I think, I think in that moment, I as much as Perez had been everywhere, I just don't think he, anything was going to come off from tonight, and um, he sort of didn't. And I thought he was unlucky, um, Slomani, to be pulled off over Perez. It's because I thought I thought Gail and Slomani might have done some damage, you know, but. We just didn't see that 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 connection in that energy and that we that we saw between the we saw between Perez and Slomani against Arsenal, uh, which I thought Rafa Benitez would have probably been hoping for, but it just didn't it just didn't happen. It just didn't pan out. Um, now Everton's goal, in fact, this is really really similar to to the to the to the to the reverse fixture up at St James's Park. You know, Newcastle were all over Everton. Um, Maybe we weren't all over them tonight, but my point being that it was similar is that Everton basically scored with their only, with their first and only shot on target, and if you and I, and I think it basically, for my opinion, came from a defensive error. So that's really similar to when um, I think it was Darlow that spilled it at St James's Park, and, and was it Rooney tapped it in. So they scored kind of against the run of play at St James's Park and went away with all three points, and that was a really low point. I thought it was a game that was thrown away that should have at least been a draw. And tonight, they, you know, likes of Cenk Tozen, I was I was interested to see him because I thought he's a kind of player, kind of striker that Newcastle might have taken a punt on had we had we been an ambitious Premier League club, which we're not. We're a, we are a Premier League club, but we're not an ambitious one when it comes to spending money. Um, and Everton. He seems to have started well in Everton, despite being coached by Bisto Tits himself, Sam Allardyce. Um, but he was kept very quiet tonight. Um, so I thought he did quite well in terms of stifling a couple of their players. But, you know, Balassi swung a ball in from, from, from quite deep, actually. Dubravka's gone. Dubravka looked to go for it and then thought better of it. But I think Yedlin's just been completely bamboozled by the flight of the ball. Um, I mean, he, he goes up for a header and he misjudges it. And it basically just falls at Walcott's feet. But then it bounces off and, and Yedlin, so Yedlin's missed the header. And then Yedlin's then failed to clear it properly. And it falls to Walcott, who just kind of dribbles in a bit. And Walcott, he's got form for scoring against Newcastle. And he just sort of lashes it into the roof of the net. I mean, he, right down the throat of the keeper, but we get struck with such venom from so close in, you can't do anything about it. And I just thought, it felt a very, very preventable goal. And I felt that Everton probably hadn't massively deserved a lead there, um, simply because I just, I think we stifled them a lot. And they, like I say, first shot on target. So they've reacted so much better than we have. And I, you know, I kind of said before the game, if we can stifle them, you know, because there's a lot of disgruntlement of it, uh, Goodison. They don't like Sam Allardyce. Allardyce is a bit pissed off at his fans' pull. If we could stifle them in the first half, which we managed to do, second half, with our organisation and energy and momentum and actual, you know, determination to, 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 to carry on this momentum and, you know, we're on a winning streak and just, we're confident and just take the game to them, slowly, piece by piece, you know, get more possession and, and try and hurt them on the, on the, on the, on the counter... 
but it just it just didn't it just didn't happen that way and we, we definitely we definitely had chances though I, I, this is what I was saying it could have gone either way like you know when Gail came on he got round Keane a couple of times so, so the first one on the edge of the box Keane's absolutely scythed him down rightly so yellow card and Richie went for the uh, went for the free kick and he, he just goes over I mean the technique was was there it was pretty good but it was just it was going to take something special it would have had to land being postage stamp to get past Pickford from there I think but then there was another incident uh, later on in the game where Keane's tried to um, control a high ball. Gale's nicked in ahead of him again and he scythed, he scythed him down, Dwight Gale, again. Carbon copy and absolutely nothing's given. I mean, sorry, it was free kick was given, but I thought on a yellow card, making a really, really rash tackle like that, you're thinking... He's just got a yellow card for the exact same uh, kind of tackle earlier, like 10, 15 minutes earlier. Yeah, I mean, so I thought I thought that could have been I thought that could have been a red card for Keane very easily with two yellows. Um, I don't think they would have been soft at all. I think they were both quite reckless, especially the fact that it was the same. It was a repeat tackle that he already got a, a yellow card for, which is very reckless. And you think, well, has he learned his lesson? But the referee's allowed it to go, so I don't, I'm not sure where the punishment is there. Yes, he got a yellow card, but that's not going to the yellow card's supposed to prevent him from doing the same thing again, and he's done it again. Uh, there was another incident with uh, Jagielka's um, arm. Did it? Did it touch his? Did the ball touch his? I think. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen softer penalties than that given. I must admit. Yes, I can appreciate why it wasn't given because his arm was down. His arm was down by his side. But he looked very sheepish, didn't he? Jagielka, when he sort of like cowered away and sort of like looked away. Um, but again, we seemed to stop and wait for the referee to make a decision and he didn't, which I think had we just played to the whistle, we might have done a bit more there. Um, Shelby wasn't able to have the impact on the game that he would have wanted after his, you know, he, want, he, wants, he you know, wants to be selected for the World Cup squad and unfortunately this game didn't show the best of him but then it really didn't show the best of a lot of Newcastle players at all and you know it was good to see um, Marino come on and Shelby came off but it was good to see Marino back on a pitch and we were reminded of how good his touch is and he's always his vision and he's always looking around and looking to, looking to affect and progress games and like hopefully Marino can get a, a bit more run in the side towards the, you know the, the last sort of four games um, of the season because He's a great player and I, w I want him to be integrated more. I want him to end on a high in his first season. I think it's been a difficult transition for him. Injuries and simply the form of Diarmin Shelby keeping him out. But I think there's still a lot more to come from Marino and I think Benitez will be looking for him to push on next season. So um, really, really good to see him back on. Murphy got a, um, got a bit of time as well for Richie. Um, and right at the death, it was, you know, we're for five minutes into stoppage time here, and he cuts in on his left, and Murphy uh, just kills the ball over to win into the six-yard box, and Seamus Coleman's done an absolutely fantastic uh, job of heading her away, heading the ball away in, in extreme pressure, and I think Newcastle player, possibly Perez was there just to tap it in, had it been there, but so that, that you know, it's another one that just kind of got away. Perez also had a header from a Kennedy cross as well um, earlier. Um, that was once. Um, Simone had come off. So yeah, it was 
very, very, very disappointing not to have got a draw out of this Everton side, as particularly as they've there was possible opportunity here with with the mood around Goodison, them being kind of well, both clubs potentially being in this mid-table malaise now, um, where we can't really. It's difficult to kind of push for uh, for Europe, and it's you know we're well clear of um, of the relegation battle as well. So, I'd like to think. Rafa will be very annoyed by the performance, um, especially after you, after you give the, the the players a couple of days uh, rest after the win against Arsenal. You might feel the complacency setting in, and if there's one person um, that won't allow that to happen, it'll be Rafa Benitez. So expect um, expect Newcastle to be coming out fighting um, and showing what, what we're made of properly. Um, next weekend, which will be um, Newcastle, West Brom at home, which will be has the potential to be a, a very good day. Although West Brom's form has been has been pretty decent, they've, they've, the last three games they've really fought and shown the kind of metal that they needed earlier in the season. To be honest, which you're not going to get under Alan Pardew, who knew? Um, so yeah, I expect us to come fighting back there because he, Rafa will not be pleased with what he saw at all today. So Kennedy, man of the match, um, but just a few poor decisions, I think, prevented us from getting a goal tonight. But could have gone either way. Very, very tight contest in the end. So I promised a few more Sunderland tweets, so I'll do a few of them. So here's a couple from uh, Sunderland back in 2016 when Newcastle got relegated. Um, Kev McKevtra says, what's the difference between Newcastle United and a, he and a hyena crossed with an oxo cube? Fuck all, they're both laughing stocks. Hashtag Rafa Beneath Us. Cheers, Kev. Um, I mean, is it is it funny? What I mean, what what is that joke funnier than double relegation? Just asking. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. What what do you, what do you think, um, Gareth? Heikney says the mag meltdown continues. They really don't like being mocked at all. Comebacks are an all-time low. I know the feeling, Gareth. I really know the feeling. Um, hashtag we sent them down, yeah, nah. Hashtag Rafa beneath us. I mean, let's just put this out there. The Rafa beneath us thing only really works when um, Newcastle below Sunderland in the Football League. Obviously, two divisions. Yeah, two divisions... Um, that that pretty much guarantees that Newcastle are definitely above Sunderland. So that I mean that that hashtag's not not really it's not really aged well, has it? Let's be honest, really hasn't aged well. Um, there's a writer for the Echo here. There's a couple from Sunderland Echo uh, from Tony Gillen, who um, who who's the lead-in for this this article he wrote was at the Sports Direct Stadium. It's not called that, is it? They have been particularly they have a peculiar penchant for managers who lead them to relegation, such as Alan Shearer or years. I mean, obviously disregarding the uh, the large hands Steve McLaren and Joe Kinnear had in those had in those seasons as well. So, and Mike Ashley, obviously. Um, so I mean, he's, I feel he's missing a bit of a point there, um, uh, Tony Gillen. Um, 
so yes, um, what else have we got? So when Rafa was going to stay, um, we've got, um, is this the same Rafa that took Newcastle down, failed to beat Sunderland, Norwich and Aston Villa? Aye, good one. We did, we're on a really good one. He's a really, really good manager, really successful. And he's, uh, he's got us promoted out of the championship and he kept us in the Premier League as well. He's class, absolutely love him, fantastic. Hope it's another of their famous day yeah, contracts. He'll have them in the Northern League in no time. Now, actually, if you look at the league table and probably the fixture list for next season, you'll see that Sunderland are genuinely a lot closer to the Northern League than Newcastle are. So, obviously, you just, just want to put that out there. Um, uh, on Rafa Benitez as well. Failed at Inter in Madrid, couldn't beat Villa, Norwich, or Sunderland. Hobie stays. Me too, Nigel SAFC. Thanks. Thanks so much. I hope he stayed as well. And he did stay, and he did really well, and it's really good being a Newcastle supporter. I love football, um, and I'm really enjoying the season. Um, he only won two games for you, and he's deemed the new saviour. Yeah. So 2016, Sunderland fans, poor time. I feel like I feel like karma's really, really turned turned it round quickly um, this time. Um, I mean. This epitomise, and this is this is less than two years ago. This tweet, Kirkov, Kazri, and Kone so instrumental in us staying up. Such an improvement since they arrived. Like wow, like we haven't talked about those players in so like that's just not even a thing anymore. Um, this KKK as well. That's that's not great. Um, um, I can't wait to get into the stadium like tomorrow now. Like. Fuck the atmosphere up in park. Stadium alike will be rocking tomorrow. Hashtag Rafa Benitez. I mean, it might have been rocking that night, but for the last... Yeah. Yeah, for the last two years, that really hasn't been the case, has it? I mean, you obviously need... Um, you obviously need a crowd there for an atmosphere, and you need a particularly motivated crowd for, for it to be a rocking atmosphere. And I'm 100% certain that didn't happen. Um, here's a good one. Graham Anderson at the Sunderland Echo. Sunderland fans will rejoice. So this was uh, August 2016. Sunderland fans will rejoice in Newcastle's loss tonight. Not because they're bitter, but because this Raffolution hysteria has been ridiculous. <laughs> this guy is a journalist. Um, wow. I mean, obviously not wanting to let his personal feelings get in the way of his professional integrity, but that, I mean, that is a, that's a whopping tweet, that, isn't it? Wow. So, what he's saying there is that it's absolutely fine for Newcastle fans to rejoice in Sunderland's demise, um, because it's fair game. So, Graham Anderson of the Sunderland Echo, thanks, mate, yeah. Fantastic stuff. Um, what else have we got? Yeah, welcome to the championship, Rafa. Ha ha ha. FTM. Yeah. Fantastic. Really good. Um, why are we all obsessed on Rafa? Seriously, calm the fuck down, man. We're safe enough, said. Nah. Nah, I think we were right to be wary of his talent. Sick of hearing Rafa's gonna Rafa gonna stay. Isn't he gonna stay? Rumours. Couldn't give a fuck. We're Premier League enough, said. For fuck's sake, man. FTM. So that was Dino. Um, doesn't want to know about Newcastle. Um, just wants to plough on in the Premier League. 
That didn't go according to plan, did it, Dino? Um, has Rafa not won a couple of games in 10? Did Big Sam not do better for them than that when they hoofed him out? Seems strange to me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Rafa actually didn't lose a lot in those, those final 10 games. It's that he, he, he lost very few um, and showed signs of actually possessing talent after, after only being in the club for about five minutes. Um, great great quote from uh, Chris Coleman here I've said to the players I promise you in 20 years time when you've stopped playing you'll look back and think wow I played for that football club what an absolutely huge club why didn't I enjoy it more well Chris I did I enjoyed it immensely that quote came directly from a Sunderland Echo tweet um, of Chris Coleman who whose ambition and um, optimism is, is, is to be admired there. Um, that, is, that is next level. Absolutely next level. Uh, who's this? Craig Thompson. Massive win for Sunday today, which was far better than the Mags last season. Playoffs as a minimum now. That was November. of uh, That was just last year. That was just last year, November. Wow, Craig. What a fall from grace, mate. Stunning. Marco Gabbiadini is another one. Now, I can't... I've read this tweet a few times and I keep saying it over to myself just to ensure that I've got it right. Marco Gabbiadini, there's not much better on a football pitch than a fully fit, informally catamore. <laughs> what a statement! Are we talking... Are we talking football pitches everywhere in the world? Are we talking across Europe, top five leagues, like what does he mean just in the northeast? Like, because even, even if he just means there's not much better on a Sunderland football pitch than a fully fit, informally catamull, that's still a, that's still an outrageous statement to make, but he looks to be talking very generally here. This is 4th of August last year, there's not much better on a football pitch than a fully fit, informally catamull. If you, could, if you could comment below about things that you think are better on a football pitch that are fully fit, informally catamore, I'd be really grateful. And to be honest, literally any answer will be valid. A any answer you could, you could possibly think of. Wow. So, um, obviously, um, Sunderland didn't really sell, weren't really selling the, the away tickets that they wanted to. Um, so they only got allocated four thousand six hundred away to Barnsley. Um, one of the one of the Sunderland fans asking why not the full uh, five thousand seven hundred. Um, to which David Fairclough, a, a Mackham supporter, said the demand isn't there at the minute, pal. We haven't sold out Norwich and Bury yet. So I mean, there were early signs at the start of the season um, that that they possibly weren't going to get the support of the fans. The fans weren't on board. Um, that was that was pretty good. Um, could be worse being a Sunderland fan. Uh, he could be a Newcastle fan and get beat off Huddersfield at home. Um, yeah, that was that was from Championship. That was great. Um, fantastic stuff. I mean, wow. So we've had a we've had a we've had a fantastic um, we've had a fantastic couple of years. Sunderland have had a spectacularly bad two years. I feel it's only going to get worse for them before it gets better. Um, 
seriously thinking, you know, seriously speaking, what they need and what I thought would happen in the championship is that they basically just need to clear out all the deadwood out, start again, complete reboot, and sort of start again from humble beginnings. But you know, that didn't as long as I was short as there, I don't I don't see that getting any better for them. Um so, you know, from a footballing perspective, I do feel for them in a way that I think Newcastle could have very easily gone down the same route had things not happened, had we not got Rafa Benitez in. Um, I think that could have been, that was obviously a huge game changer and it puts us in such a good position now. Um, but from a personal perspective, m more than happy to see Sunderland go down. It's it's almost like an anti-climax because it's been so expected for such a long time. But I think when the fixture list comes out um, at the start of next season, um, I think that's when we can really start getting excited about uh, being two divisions higher than Sunderland and them being in a league that we have never, ever played in before and certainly don't look like playing in the next couple of years. So, next level special, guys. Thanks, Sunderland. Um, you've really pulled this match report around a turgid 1-0 defeat at Goodison Park um, and I get to talk about how hilarious it is that Newcastle... Oh, tenth in the. I mean, this is the word. We're disappointed because we're tenth in the Premier League still. Look how far we've come in the last few months. Fantastic stuff. Anyway, I'm gonna leave it there. Thanks so much for watching. Um, I'm sorry it hasn't been the result that we all wanted, but West Brom at home, we've got to be looking to assert ourselves. Give Slamani another chance because I think he thrived under the home support last week, um, and I think he'll do some damage against West Brom, who do have a bit of fight in them, but are still think we should have enough to overturn them and I'd like to see Shelby put in a bit better performance and you know grab the game by the scruff of the neck like he has done in the last few games um, so I'll leave it at that thanks very much for watching I've been Adam at the Toon Network this has been a Toon Network match report bye bye <laughs>